1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from Remax Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, we're wrapping up the first month of 2024. And while this is not traditionally a busy season in real estate, what is the state of the real estate market so far this year? Well, we've had a, a really busy start to 2024, and some had predicted it. Some thought that it would kick in maybe mid-February, end of February. But we saw a lot of buyers coming off the fence and getting back into the market. Now, these are the same buyers that were on hold for about 18 to 24 months and uh, just felt that the market conditions were in their favor with potential of rates coming down, and they were out there and they were out in full force. And are prices actually on the rise right about now, or are are the prices fairly steady and as they were in the previous month? Now, surprisingly, Tina, we have had multiple offer situations where wow. we've seen wow. places with 26 offers, 13 offers, 18 offers, and with that, prices have been on the rise. And this is a, a stark contrast to where we were about four or five months ago where houses were sitting for five months, six months, and now all of a sudden even those houses are starting to sell. Multiple offers at this time of year, is that unusual? It's not unusual. It's different from what we were used to over the last four or five months, but January, February, March, those are usually the times where we do see a lot of multiple offers and bidding wars and people holding off to try and generate more offers on their properties. So that's not uncommon, but with the way the market had been going, especially over the last year, it is a little bit surprising that it came that early. What are you hearing from your clients, both buyers and sellers? Confidence. The confidence has returned, and there's a lot of people that have been sitting on the sidelines that have decided that it's now time to get into the housing market. And so that's a, a sudden change. Uh, you know, the market, you never know when the market is going to change until it changes. And with everyone waiting for it to bottom out, you, you, the only way you know that it's bottomed out is when it starts to go up again. And that's what we're seeing right now is that return of confidence in the marketplace and buyers and sellers both thinking that it's showtime and it's time to get going. I'm actually surprised to hear you use the term confidence because there are some that fear a recession, which means they're cutting back where they can and taking very few financial risks. What do you think? You know, with the way the rents have gone up over the last little while, the payments aren't much different and you're paying your own rent. Uh, You're paying your own mortgage down through your monthly payments. So a lot of people have seen how their monthly payments may be lower than what they would generally pay for rent right now for a home. And with the promise of rates to come down over the second quarter or third quarter of this year, I think people are realizing that 
this may be the right time to grab that home that they want to live in. And the rates are going to go up and down for sure. But if the prices are going to continue to climb, it's probably more affordable for them to get in right now. What is the best or the right real estate strategy or maybe the best guess for this current economic climate then? Right now what we're seeing is if you're selling, uh, there's a, a lot of demand out there and people are trying to scoop properties up. So if you have a house that didn't sell for two or three or four months and you've taken it off the market, waiting for a better time to get into the market, this is the time for you to put it up. You want to get up before the market is flooded with spring inventory because then it becomes a price game. If you're a buyer, you're trying to find that needle in a haystack, that deal. But as we start getting on into later in the winter or early spring, you're going to start to see that those deals are disappearing and the market's moving fast and furious and, and you have to get your foot in the door right now. Otherwise, there could be a lot of people that are priced out. I asked you what you're hearing from your clients, both buyers and sellers, but what about the agents? What are they telling you? The agents are busy. And, you know, we have a lot of people, more agents left the industry, uh, you know, over the last three or four weeks than we've seen in previous years. And, And there's a number of reasons for that, but I would say the number one reason would be about half of the agents in Toronto didn't sell anything last year. So we did see a lot of people leave the business and these would have been part-timers or people that thought it was easy money and they got their license over the last few years and they're finding out that there's a lot of work to do. So we've seen some of them leave the industry, which means that there's more for the people that are left, more work to be done. And pretty much every agent in my office is working on something right now, which is great. Uh, It's just a great feeling to to have return because there was some lean times over the last year and a half or two years. So to see everyone busy, everyone active, and that energy and positivity that's out there, it's, it's really good to see. What about in terms of the commercial real estate market? Commercial real estate is very active as well. Now, you would think that after COVID with all the companies downsizing and everything that we would have uh, an influx of inventory hitting the market, but the inventory has been scooped up and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that have been done. So some of the commercial rental buildings that were in the Toronto area, a few of them were converted to residential. Uh, There's a lot of storage buildings that have taken the spot of some other rental buildings and industrial areas and things like that. So there's a lot of repurposing. And for that reason, commercial continues to be active. Is there an opportunity on the market? Is it ripe for investors? There are some opportunities right now for investors. I mean, one of the biggest opportunities that we see out there is assignments for pre-construction condos. And there are so many assignments out there. People cannot qualify at the new rates. Uh, These are people that may have bought three or four years ago and, and they would have qualified at that time with the rates the way they were. But now with a lot of the condos with costs going up and people having to put extra money down, plus the the difference in the rates right now, you're looking at a number of people that are trying to assign their condos, which means they're trying to sell the agreement of purchase and sale that they have with the builder. So we've seen a number of people take advantage of that and scoop some of these properties. Now, they're not paying 
what the current value would be, they're paying maybe what the value would have been a couple of years ago. So the initial purchaser is making a few dollars, not as much as they normally would have if they would have closed on these properties. But the person that is assuming the risk and taking on this assignment, uh, they stand to gain a lot of money by making these deals. So if investors have the money available and they want to get into the pre-construction market, which these units may be closing in the next year or two years. So the lag time is a little bit less, but there's a lot of upside. Now, last week, we took a deep dive into the national rent report for 2023. What do you see in that market in this first month of 2024? There's so much demand, especially with the immigration coming in and and people that may not be able to afford to get into a home right now with the interest rates the way they are, you're starting to get more upward pressure on price because there's still so much demand for rentals. And I don't see I don't see that changing in the near future. I think there's going to continue to be pressure on price and, and also availability. And anything that's coming on for rentals is getting scooped up. So as long as you're priced right and you're you're on the market, you're going to end up with multiple offers on rentals as well. When you talked about this month in real estate, you said confidence was the word that came to mind. What about looking ahead to next month and the months ahead? I think what we're going to start to see is there's going to be more and more people coming off that fence. Now they're starting to get pre-approved. We heard from uh, you know, mortgage professionals that their applications are through the roof right now. And these are people that may have qualified last year or the year before, and now they're trying to renew their commitments with the banks. And you're starting to see more people head out and try to find properties that would be suitable for themselves in this environment. So it may mean that if they were looking at a detached house, they may have set their sights a little bit lower to townhouses or semi-detached houses, but they're getting back out there. And I think that momentum is going to continue through the spring and possibly through the year. I don't see a slowdown unless there's something that happens where the Bank of Canada decides that they're going to increase the rate again. That'll take some of the steam out of the market. But until that happens, you're going to start to see a steady stream of purchasers hitting that market. All right, so steady and momentum is what we're looking for in the months ahead. You got it. All right, after the break, are the wait times improving at the Landlord-Tenant Board? That conversation is next. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties, with today's next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us from Mayfair Law is Simona Zaslavsky. Simona, welcome back to On the Market. Thank you, Asif, and hello, Tina. Simona, there's been so much talk over the last few years about what's happening at the Landlord-Tenant Board, and give us an update of how 2023 ended up and what we should look forward to in 2024. 
So 2023, I think, taught me and a lot of people a lot of lessons. Um, You know, 2023 started off pretty slow, and there was a lot of backlog. And the backlog really, really increased into the summertime. But I've noticed recently in the last couple of months that they're starting to clear the backlog. Now, not all applications are being heard quicker, but I do see that there has been a significant increase in the N4s. So the N4s are filed when someone is not paying. So when you have a non-payment of rent, you file an N4 and then you file an L1. And I've noticed that that time period has now hit about five months. So I had myself filed an N4, I think it was in December, and I have a hearing coming up in May. So those are getting a little bit better. Is the five-month leeway or waiting period much more familiar to tenants and landlords? So it used to be closer to eight months. So they've definitely got better with the non-payment of rent applications. But the other applications, such as ones that if you are selling your home and your purchaser is going to be taking over or if you want to use it for yourself or a family member, those are still between eight to ten months waiting period. And Simona, with a lot of people struggling with their mortgage payments and depending on the rental payments to come through, we've started to see a lot of these people put their places on the market. What's your advice Mm -hmm. to sellers that would consider selling if they could have their tenant vacate? Please have conversations with your tenants beforehand. I've said it so many times before, there is a strong lack of communication when it comes to landlords and tenants, and they're all of a sudden surprised that, oh, all of a sudden you have to, you know, sell your house. It's not the tenant's job to know what your payments are, what your mortgage rate is, or your interest rate, what your mortgage payments are. And, you know, it's also not the landlord's job to know what exactly is happening in the tenant's life. But the problem is, is that those two worlds collide, and they collide hard when certain things happen in the world that we don't have control over. So I always tell people communication. Today, I spoke to somebody who... Um, they have the tenant is not paying. The tenant hasn't paid. They haven't paid for the month of January, and it's the 15th. Or sorry, it's not the 15th. It's already mid to late January. Um, so what happens is I say, when's the last time you were there? When's the last time you spoke to the person? And they say, oh, it's been a while. And I never understand that. Why? What are you guys waiting for? Are you just waiting for it just to blow up? Because it's only going to get harder. So explain a little bit about that communication, because from the landlord perspective, is it not unreasonable to think that, okay, we're not hearing anything, they're paying their rent, do we not assume that everything is going along tickety-boo? I think in a perfect world, that is a great way to think. But unfortunately, we don't live in that perfect world. And unfortunately, we have an obligation both as landlords and as tenants um, to a certain degree. So I think the landlord has an obligation to check in. I think the landlord has to assume that not everything is perfect because life can happen to both sides. And I just don't understand why wait until it actually happens. Why not avoid it beforehand? Why not be able to have that open line of communication with your tenant if you're a landlord? At the end of the day, it's a business. And 
you have to treat it as such. You wouldn't leave your business just to be run by your employees. You're checking in. That's what you're doing. This has to be treated exactly the same way. That's a good point. Now, suppose a tenant is unable to leave. Suppose they've been there for about 10 or 15 years and on a sweet rental deal, and they just cannot simply afford to go into another rental. Can they refuse, and how long can they get out of this process? So if you have a tenant that just can't leave, can't afford to leave, and we're assuming that they are paying their rent, but they need to leave because the landlord has now sold the home or the landlord would like to sell the home or the landlord would need, needs the home for their own personal use, um, unfortunately, they have to go through the motions. There's options. There's this wonderful thing that people are doing called cash for keys, but then you have to assume that landlords are made of money and they're just falling from the sky and off of the trees, that they can say, okay, here you go, I'm going to give you five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to go and rehome yourself so that I can use my home for what I need it for. But it's not the reality. And what happens, you go and you take it to the board and you file the paperwork and you wait for your time and you plead your case in front of the adjudicator. And you better be ready when you're in front of that adjudicator with all of your information and, as, as, and evidence because there's a chance that it could get thrown out. Hmm. And have you noticed an increase in personal use evictions? Yes, huge huge increase, um, probably more than non-payment. And I think that's because a lot of people are selling their homes or a lot of people can't afford to carry both, both houses or multiple, um, or they have family that needs to move in. They have elderly parents that they can't move into their home, so they want to use that home for their elderly parents, which is okay. You can do that. It's just the process is what holds you back. And that 8 to 12 month delay, that could cost someone their home. Now, if in 2024, we can kind of foresee things getting better, what do you think needs to happen in order to reduce that lag time and be able to solve these cases in as short a period as possible? The quickest way is to add adjudicators and to change how the process works because there are these timelines and there are these really strict rules that everybody has to abide by and when you don't abide by them it gets thrown out and you have to refile. That wastes time. Uh, maybe the board needs to hire more people to go through the backlog and to go through these applications and schedule them a little bit easier. Also, these applications are being scheduled in these short blocks of four hours. I had a hearing last week. I had five witnesses. There was no way. There was no way that my hearing was going to be heard. And this has been ongoing for many, 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 many months, this file. And I knew it. I knew that it was going to be adjourned. And I had to let my client know there's a chance that this is going to get bumped because there's just not enough time in this block. And what happens? We get pushed over to another block, and it just wastes more and more time. The other thing, aside from me just blaming the board all the time, is education for the landlords and education for the tenants. They are not properly educated. And when they call the landlord and tenant board, 
nobody is really there to spend that time and educate them because they are not allowed to teach them about the law. But there are so many of us paralegals that are out there that can help landlords and tenants just to get educated. Forget about actually going through the process, but just educating them about what to do before the process begins, I think is vital. What does that education include before the hearing even begins? So if I'm going to take a landlord, for example, uh, a landlord needs to be educated on communication. So does a tenant, but we're just talking about the landlord. Communication, um, you know, checking in, checking in on your actual space, going in there, making sure that everything is okay, making sure that everything is working properly because that avoids the tenants filing filing T forms against the landlord. Um, Also education about how the board works, about what happens if someone's not paying or what happens if you're thinking of selling your home. So it's very important for both landlords and tenants to know exactly what's going on. And you mentioned T forms against the landlord. Can you give us a couple of examples of which T forms would be filed in that situation from the tenant to the landlord? Of course. So tenants, just like landlords, have the ability to file forms against the landlords. And for tenants, um, the forms are cheaper uh, in the landlord and tenant board, but that's kind of comparable. So they assume tenants, unfortunately, don't, may not make as much income, so the forms are less. Plus, it doesn't include anything that has to do with any evictions. So the forms are also less in that that respect. Um, There's numerous T forms depending on what exactly the tenant is looking for. So if the tenant is looking for rebate for uh, rent, that's a T1. Um, if you know they're looking for a rent reduction, that's a T3. Um, if the landlord increased the rent above the guidelines, that's called an AGI, that's a T4. Um, if you know the landlord gave them bad faith notice, that's a T5. There's many, even for maintenance. They have one for maintenance, it's a T6. So tenants have the ability and they have it at their fingertips to complain to the board or ask the board and seek remedy against the landlord. That sounds like we've just set up a whole new show for next time. (laughs) Simona, if our (laughs) listeners have any questions, how can they contact you? I can be reached at 416-546-1581. Simona, thanks for your time, and we look forward to having you on again. Thank you both always. Take care. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Your questions for Asif Khan are next, and we start with Marty in Richmond Hill. He writes, we've heard a few stories lately out of Brampton and other areas where homes in the same neighborhood sold at losses or were power of sale. What is your reaction and is it a sign of things to come? Asif, what do you think? Well, it really depends on when people purchased and what they purchased for because the market values really haven't changed that much. And some of these reports that you're seeing, they're comparing 
someone that purchased a home in multiple offers and they're comparing it to another home that's being sold at market value and they're saying that it's actually losing $200,000 or $300,000, but that's not the true picture. They just sold for two or 300000 less than what a competitor sold for and that competitor could have had 20, 30, 40 offers on this place. And, you know, at that time, if it was a couple of years ago, our supply was very limited and demand was high. So people were able to go into these properties and justify that if they want to get into the housing market, they're going to have to overpay. And, you know, people get into the housing market for the long term. So it's not something that they're going to flip in four months or six months or a year. That's more of a stock market approach. But with housing, they're in for the long haul. So when people are purchasing these houses, they're not thinking of what they're going to make or, or lose in a short-term picture, but they're looking at it more as what's this house going to be worth in 10 years or 15 years. And for that, yeah, there have been some power of sales for different reasons. It could have been affordability for interest rates or people just couldn't afford the payments that uh, after their variable rates increased. So there have been uh, power of sales, but even with the power of sales, the bank still has to try and get market value on these homes. So there's not a lot of deals that would be two or $300,000 off. I know we've seen a lot of these reports on social media and things like that, but they're just not accurate. And how does the power of sale work? Have you experienced that with a client and, and what is the process? It sounds quite desperate. It's, it's so a power sale doesn't take place uh, until the bank is sure that they're not going to be paid on the mortgage. So sometimes that process takes four to six months before the bank even starts the power sale process. And even after that, it could be about six months before that house hits the market. So it's a long process. Basically, a power sale is very different than a foreclosure, where in a foreclosure, the bank takes ownership of that property, and they can sell it for whatever they want. But in a power of sale situation, the bank is acting, or the bank's lawyer is acting as an agent to sell that property and try and recover the money for the bank. But any excess money that the bank gets from that sale goes to the person that had the mortgage uh, or the, the mortgage holder or the mortgagee. So when you're looking at a power of sale, it's not as dire as a foreclosure where the foreclosure of the bank will take ownership of the property and they could sell it for whatever they want. And the owner of the property is not going to get a dime. Whereas in a power of sale, that's why the bank has to offer it at market value because if the owner was going to sell it for themselves, that's what they would offer it to the market at. And the bank will try and get as close to market value as possible. If the house needs a lot of work and everything, that'll be factored into it. Uh, And the owner has until closing date to satisfy the bank of what they owe them. So there's a lot of situations where in a power of sale, even before the property closes, the owner still has an opportunity to satisfy the bank with any money that they owe, and they'll be able to get their property back. Our next email is from Rhonda in Markham. She writes, do you expect higher prices this year? And if so, should I consider listing my home in spring or summer? I would list your home as soon as possible because you don't want a lot of competition when you're hitting that market. And right now, it's fairly quiet. There's still about two to three months of inventory 
but suppose there's a flood of inventory in, in late spring or early summer because there's been so much pent-up demand and so many people waiting to sell their home. And if all of those people hit at the same time, now there's going to be price competition because each subdivision has seven or eight or ten different models where the only differentiating factor is going to come down to price. So if you have an opportunity to list your house earlier in the spring, I would hit the market there. There's a lot of buyers out there and you may even turn that into multiple offers. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. Asif, please share your contact information for listeners as well. They can contact me on X at Remax Allstar or on myself, 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.